remain standing for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read from Psalm 62, verses 1 through 6. It goes, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be great, or I shall not be shaken. You may have a seat. Good morning. It's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. Pastor Steve is the guy who normally preaches, uh, but he will be back back with us next week. Um, Typically, I'm right there playing some guitar, and uh, and right and right now Michael's right there playing guitar and stuff, and I'm I'm loving it. Like the whole worship session today has just been really really great. So thank you, worship band. All right, so we are going to be in Psalm 62. And the title of this message, the title of this sermon is The Only Psalm. The Only Psalm. So if you pulled out that red book and the seat back in front of you and looked for the psalms, there's going to be 150 of them. So this isn't the only psalm in that sense, but it's the only psalm in that in this psalm, the word only is the, has the emphasis. The Hebrew word ach is, is what happens six times in the 12 verses. So 50% of the verses have this word only in them. And not only that, but they start with the word only. And so if you're reading this psalm in, in Hebrew, you're going to see only this, 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 only this, 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 next verse, only this, 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 this. So you're really going to get the picture that, that he's trying to say something only, something alone. And what is he saying? He's saying, find refuge in God alone, God only. That is the, the point of this psalm. You can see verse 1 here. It says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. And like I just said, the word only happens at the beginning. So really, in, if you translate it literally, it is only unto God my soul silences. This is a psalm about directing your heart. This is a, this is a psalm in which we have an example of how we should view the Lord. Namely, that he is the source of everything that we need. He's the source of everything we need. That's Psalm 62. So just to tantalize you, I'm going to quote from a 4th century theologian, Athanasius. He says, Against all attempts on your body, your state, your soul, your fame, temptations, tribulations, machinations, defamations, say this psalm. And so we're going to unpack it today. Let me just pray and we'll start. Heavenly Father, here we are wanting to learn from your word. And so, Father, I pray that your word would be unfolded, that it would would not return void, but that in our hearts things would change, that we'd be helped to kind of line up with what we see in the scripture, with what we see David doing, 
with how we see David thinking, with how to consider you, God Almighty. Would you help us to come in line with what you desire here? So please bless, uh, help me, Father, to, to speak. Help us to listen and understand as your Spirit gives us understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the only psalm. So how, here's how this is going to go. First, we're going to briefly talk about the situation. And then we are going to have four points about what it looks like to find refuge in God alone. Four things. And they're all going to start um, finding refuge in God alone means dot, dot, dot. And then after that, we are going to have three brief applications. When I was in college, I went to Campus Crusade for Christ, and the director there said, uh, told us the five B's of public speaking, which are be brief, baby, be brief. And so those application points are going to fall in line with that. So that's what we're doing. So first, the, the situation. So what is the situation? So it, it, could be, um, it could be that David is running from Absalom at this point. Like Absalom was his son who basically caused a coup and kicked David out. He, Absalom became king, David's on the run, so David's in, in the wilderness with, his, with his, what's left of his followers. And that, man, can you, can you imagine your life getting ruined like that, and not just ruined like that, but that happening because your son turned against you. So that could be it. it a lot of the times in the Psalms, it kind of on the title says what's happening, this one doesn't. So we're postulating, so that, that could be it. But whatever the situation, there's some negative situation going on. And, and so this is how David portrays his, his struggle, his issue right now. This is, what we're about to read is David talking about his enemies. And we read that before, but let's read it again. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. So here's what's going on. We have these, these guys, these enemies being described, and, and the metaphor is that they're walking around and they see this high thing, like, oh, look at that high wall. Wait, it's leaning. Let's, let's just destroy it. Let, let's make today a day of destruction and just destroy it. Uh, that, that tottering fence, let's just take it down. It's, it's like my three-year-old. This morning I woke up to banging in, on, in their room because the, the, uh, the access way to, the, to behind like the bathroom faucets and all this stuff to make sure it's not leaking, uh, that was being destroyed purposelessly this morning. And so that's what these guys are doing is they're just, they're, they're destroying. It says they only plan to thrust him down from his high position. So they're seeing David as king and they're saying, let's take him down. But not, not only that, not only are they just people who are kind of power hungry and maybe jealous, but it says that they delight in falsehood. They take pleasure in falsehood. So if when you lie, you probably aren't like, you probably aren't like, yes. Like it's probably like, oh, I feel, I feel guilty about that. Something, something was wrong there. But these guys are taking pleasure in falsehood. They love it. And the next, it, it said that they bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. So they're, they're fake. They're saying, long live the king. How are we going to kill the king? Like, they're, they're fake people. And so this, this is David's, these, this is what's happening with David. These are his enemies. And so this psalm is going to be instructive for us because in our trials, we're going to need the same thing that David needs, which is the Lord. And in our trials, there are not only negative 
people, negative circumstances um, for us to deal with. But, but the heart that we want to have in those trials is the same heart that we see here that David has. Right, so that's kind of, you know, that, that's, that's our goal. We want to line up with seeing God in the similar way that David does. And so that's his situation. And now we're going to do four aspects of finding refuge in God alone. And again, it's going to be finding refuge in God alone means dot, dot, dot. So I'll read the, the verse 1 and verse 2 again. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. So those, those are David's first words here. And what we see, and what, what our first point is first is finding refuge in God alone means looking to God alone as the source of your help. Looking to God alone as the source of your help. Now, we just, we just read this, and you didn't see the word help in there. Well, that's the word salvation. From him comes my salvation. In the New Testament sense, when you see the word salvation, you think Jesus Christ died on the cross to save me from my sins, from the penalty of my sins. He rose from the dead, and I'm going to live forever with him because of that. And I'm saved. I have salvation in Jesus Christ. And that's what that means in the New Testament context. In the Old Testament, salvation just means getting saved, delivered, helped in the situation that you have going on. You know, if you're, if you're driving with a buddy and then you, uh, you almost, you're not seeing a stop, a stop sign that's there and your buddy's like, oh, hey, stop the stop sign. You're like, all right. And then you look over and there's a police officer over there. And you're like, man, if I had gone through that, I, w- I would have a police officer on my tail. And you'd say, buddy, you just saved me. That's, that's kind of what it is in the Old Testament, though there are sprinkles of the salvific other sense sometimes. It's like this. In Psalm 121, it says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Where does my deliverance come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and heavens and the earth. And so David wants us to see God as the source of our help. As the ultimate source. Remember, this is the only psalm. So God, only God alone, but that makes us ask the question, don't we have a bunch of other helps? Aren't there a ton of other ways that I can be helped? And so I, I want to I get this out of the way here at the start, because it's, it's going to mess with us as we try to, to understand the psalm if we don't differentiate between two things here. All right, so there are, there is a source, and there are means. There are sources, and there are means. You know, people sometimes come up to me and ask, Jason, should I take medicine? They're like, I'm, I'm trying to do Psalm 62, man. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to trust in the Lord. I'm trying to lean upon the Lord. Should I take medicine? Should I, should I take chemo? You know, Jason, should I, should I, would it be more holy for me just to quit my job and trust in the Lord to, to, to provide for me? Would that be better? And the answer to that is no. You, you can kind of make that argument a little absurd if you, you know, it's reductio ad absurdum, right? You, uh, you could say, should I not breathe and make the Lord have me breathe, right? Like you could get it down to that point. Should I not even get up and go get food? Should I, is that trusting in the Lord? And no, that, that is not the kind of trust in the Lord that the Lord wants for us. So there are sources of help and there are means of help. 
God wants to have the monopoly here. God wants to be, God is, not even wants to be, in reality is the source of your help. But there are many means for that help to show up in. So for David, you got David. Um, he is on the run, maybe from his son. And so he's looking to God alone for salvation, for help. And so, but what that could look like is very different. Like there's a lot of different things that that could look like. You know, it could look like he finds 10,000 soldiers who are like, hey, we're bored. We want to go do something. How about let's take Jerusalem, right? Like that would be really helpful for him. And he would see that as coming from the Lord. It could be that Absalom repents. He's like, I've been a punk and sent my dad running into the wilderness. And like that would be, David would see that as coming from the Lord. And there, there could be a hundred different things, ways, a hundred different means of help for David. And now what about, so what about for you? Like, let's say the ibuprofen. Um, the ibuprofen then falls in the means category. But, here, but don't, just, don't just ignore the rest of the psalm then because it's like, all right, I, I, I'll do what I need to do to get by and I'm going to say that God is the ultimate source. It's like, no, no, no. Like in your hearts, do you see God as the source of help for you? Is that how you view him? As that is that like the Lord, he is my help. If I am to be helped, it is by him and him alone. There are many means. There are many good means in our lives that we can partake in. There are many good ways that the Lord helps us. But that's what, that's what I'm after. That's what David's after, saying that God is my help. And by the way, you, there might be some helps that you're like, Ugh, that's an ungodly help. That one probably doesn't come from the Lord. And maybe that would be a good idea to not do that. If your help is something that you think that like this couldn't be God's will, I'm just, I'm just kind of stepping out and doing this kind of crazy, crazy way of helping myself. You know, for example, if you're, um, if you're struggling and your, your help is some sort of hard drug or something as an obvious one, it's like that isn't from the Lord. No, it's, it's not. And so that should be come bring that into alignment. The Lord is my help, and there are many means of help. So, so we got that, right? Sources and means. Sources and means. We're going to be talking about that in this whole time. And what we want to do is see God as our source of help. This isn't just an Old Testament thing. You could say, in, look, in 2 Peter 1, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He is the source of all these things for us, for our help. Matthew 6, 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? The Psalms, the Old Testament, and the New Testament sees God as just the source of all creation because he is the creator. He's just the source of everything. And so you need help? Look to him. Like Really, in that situation, in that struggle, think about what you need. And look to him as the source. That's what we're shooting for. So that's how it's going to roll. So here's number, that was number one. Finding, find refuge in God means looking to God alone as your source of help. Well, here's number two. Finding refuge in God means looking to God alone as your source of safety. We get that from verse two as well. He alone is my rock. He alone is my rock. So where David is, there are just mazes of rock caves. And so for him, when he's, when he, the reason he's saying rock is because where his mind is going to is, is actually that. So this is, this is one of them. So we're, we're inside of one of them if you look at the slides right now. Sorry, online folk. Uh, come back to church. Uh, and so, 
And so you're in one of the, in, in these rock things. And so um, that's where David is going. He's like, God alone is my hideaway. I'm running from Absalom. I'm going over there because he's not going to be able to find me. And if he did, if he did find him, if he had an army of 10,000 and he shows up at this rock maze, they got to go in one at a time. David's pretty good with a sword. He can take a guy at a time, right? right? He can rip bears in half and stuff. So he can probably take a guy at a time. And so it's this defensible place. It's this hiding place. It's, you get there and you're like, I'm safe. And he's saying, that is God and God alone. I went to a country in Central Asia a couple years ago. And it was not the safest thing. It's a closed country. We went, my wife and I went there to share the gospel with people. And yeah, you're not supposed to do that. And so there's a little bit of danger, some interesting situations, train rides across the country, people... Um, not loving our presence there and stuff like that. And so in that time, like I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit unsafe. And where does my heart go? Where does my heart go? Well, let me tell you. I, at the time, was the youth director here. Justin is now. Um, so I was at the time, and I'm like, all right, I'm, I have this idea. I'm going to buy chocolate bars for our youth because that's what you do when you're in another country. And so everywhere I went, I would go and I would buy another chocolate bar. And uh, I started having this stash. And of course, you can't just give, like, just give random chocolate bars to the youth of Cornerstone. No way. You've got to try all of them. And so every single day, I was coming back home to my stash of, of chocolate from this country, you know, t- like rating them. I'd write a number on the back of them to see which one was best. And what I found was that... Uh, in doing that, I found safety. Like my heart rested there, because for this in this feeling of abundance, being at this in this second world country, but but having abundance to me was safety. And so, obviously, David is wanting us to find that safety in the Lord. And for us, it is more about spiritually, more about how, where your heart is and less about your physical circumstance because Jesus said we, in this life we have tribulation. Because Jesus said that there is persecution. And so this is less of a physical safety for us and more of where are you resting? Where is your heart? Because he says, for God alone is my rock. In uh, Philippians 4, well, I want to I connect it to the New Testament just so we don't think this is just an obscure Old Testament thing. They say, it's, Paul says in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, and so you can kind of in everything, think about God alone there, right? In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Can you hear safety there? The peace of God guarding our hearts. That's what we want. Now, there are, again, there are, there are other options. There are tons of means out there. What we often can do is just we look at a means and then kind of say, like, that's it. That's my source of help. That's my source of safety. You can look at your, your job and say, like, every, all my help like, comes from, from what my job gives me, both with money and with, like, social acceptance and stuff. Like, my job is my source. And, and that is idolatry. 
you can say like all these means, just if it terminates on the means, it's idolatry. Or if it terminates on some grand thing like yourself, like to me, I'm going to do it. That's kind of the, the, the gospel of this world is just like we humans, like whatever, actually not even we, like you, whatever's inside of you, that is what is true. And what must happen in this world is you must realize yourself and triumph. That's where we are. So there can be wrong sources, there can be wrong means. Well, for David, he had, he had other options too. And so his first, the first probably thing that comes to his mind besides the Lord is in verse 9. It says, those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. So his first instinct might have been, I need to get people. Like people are my refuge. People are my safety. Um, I'm going to differ a little bit with the ESV here. When Pastor Steve gets up here and is like, I, I disagree with the ESV. Well, Pastor Steve took 12 classes of Greek and uh, is basically a genius, in case you didn't know that. He's really smart. Uh, and so uh, there's that. So I've taken two classes of Hebrew, and all right, yeah, woo, two classes. All right, so uh, don't find refuge in my understanding of Hebrew. But, um, in, but for this text, it's, it seems pretty good, and I'm not alone, or else I wouldn't say it. Like, there's other there's scholars who think the same thing, too. It literally, the, if you read those verses, it says... Um, only a breath, remember it starts out only, only a breath are the sons of Adam. A lie or a delusion are the sons of men. This, this is just a double way, in my opinion, to slam mankind. Like the sons of Adam, like all humans, they're just a breath. All humans, like the sons of men, they're just, they are, they are a lie, they're a delusion. This is pretty intense. It's the word habel is a breath. It's, it's in Job um, 21 where Job says, how then will you comfort me with empty nothings? That's the word, empty nothings. That's the word he's using for mankind on his double slam. Or more famously, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That's the word. He's saying mankind, empty nothings, vanities. And not only that, but we are a delusion because you think that, that people could help. You'd think that there would be help in people, but they disappoint, they're weak, they fail, they die. They aren't enough. People are not the answer. It says in the balances they go up. You know, what's, what's on this side? If this is people, well, the mighty rock of ages, yes, people go up. They're done. They're just a breath. Just, and just to put the nail in the coffin of humanity, if you will, um, William Plummer wrote this awesome commentary on the Psalms. Like 1867, this dude is awesome. But here, here is how he just finishes the slam. He says, A Hebrew could not have used stronger language to express his conception of the utter nothingness of our miserable race. Ouch! Man! Plummer. So, should humans be the source of help and safety? Should they be the source? No. And, but you might object and say, okay, Jason, aren't we supposed to have edifying community? Aren't we supposed to love one another? Aren't we supposed to bear one another's burdens? Like I just was talking to someone yesterday who was yearning for, for community, and I'm just praying with her, like, yes, like I want you to have community because people are really important. 
So be supported by family and friends. Be, like, be vulnerable and, and have loving community. But that community is never meant to replace God as your refuge. It is a wonderful means, but is not to replace the source. Think about it. If you go up to a friend and say, all right, Jim, you, from you comes my salvation. You are my rock and my fortress, my salvation. I will not be shaken. If you say that to a person, doesn't that like, ugh, right? That shouldn't be that way. And that is what David is saying. It shouldn't be that way. For God alone is in our safety as he is our rock our hideaway. So that's number two. Finding refuge in God alone means looking to God alone as your source of safety. Not just the means of of mankind. All right, number three. Finding refuge in God alone means looking to God alone as your source of strength. And we get that from the same verse. Uh, For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. And so before we were, we were, because we're just looking at God different ways, right? So before, like we're, God is our hideaway. We're hiding away in God. But now God is our fortress. There's this imposing structure with this big come at me, bro, if you can, army. Like I'm, I'm up here. Like this is where I am, but you're not getting in. Like, that is also what God is for us. There's a boldness to this, and that's why I'm saying as your source of strength. You can think of more Philippians 4 again. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What comes next? Where is it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God is in the business of strengthening his people. He wants to be our strength. It says in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord. Don't just be strong on your own. Be strong in the Lord. He wants to give us strength. So how much strength do you need to endure this trial that you're going through right now? Maybe a lot. Maybe it's rough. See God as the strength. See God as the source of your strength. He is the one that you need. He is our source of everything. Now before I said David, David's one option, maybe the first thing that comes to his mind is people besides God. So he, he slams that one. Um, and so now he's going to talk about another possible option for us, another possible option for him and us. And that's in verse 10. It says, put no trust in extortion, set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. And so here what we find are three ways to say wealth. Wealth is David's other option, other possible source. You know, first, put no trust in extortion. That's wealth that you, it's kind of criminally gotten, but it's not violently done so. So maybe you, uh, maybe you blackmail someone. Get their wealth. Set no vain hopes on a robbery. Okay, now we're doing the violent version. Now, robbery, you just, you just go over there and you take it. Getting that wealth. And then the third one is if riches increase. These are, the third one is honestly gained wealth. And so for those first two, if you're, in, if you're, if you're doing, in, engaging in extortion to help yourself, if you're putting your trust in that, if you're engaging in a robbery, then now you have more human enemies and you have made an enemy of the Most High as well. So don't, right? That's his idea. 
And then the third one, though, the third, you, like, you probably aren't robbing people, probably. If you are, stop. Yeah, all right. Did it. Preaching. All right. Or, and maybe, maybe, hopefully not extortion either. But honorably gained wealth? What about that? Could that be something maybe that you might struggle to set your heart upon? Because I do. I struggle with that. You think about the, the parable, the, not the parable, the real thing, the real story that happened of the, of the rich young ruler in Mark 10. He comes to Jesus. He says, uh, teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Yeah, we talked about this on Thursday, Kyle. What must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you, uh, you know the commandments, man. And he starts listing the Ten Commandments. And the guy's like, I've done all that. Jesus says, you lack one thing. Sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And that man walked away discouraged. Why? Because his heart was set on his wealth. He loved his wealth. Like, if he, if he saw God as the source of everything he needs, his safety, his strength, everything, and then the Jesus Christ, the Son of God, says, follow me, forget wealth, follow Jesus Christ. God is my source anyway. But if your heart is set on that wealth, and that's what you really need, then you're going to walk away, even if it's Jesus Christ in front of you. And many people do. Source and means. Money can be a very, is, is a very helpful thing with help. It's a very helpful thing with safety. It's a very helpful thing with, can be a helpful thing with strength. But let it not be your source. Let it not be your source. And let, just for fun, let's, let's get a, a little bit, let's just do another convicting-ish one. Let's do a coffee. So we're talking about strength here. All right, coffee is a wonderful, wonderful means. Awesome, Yep. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but it sounded funny to me. So yeah. All right. It's, it's an awesome thing. But I, I often hear much praise for coffee, right? Like you get, you, you're like, oh man, I was so tired this morning, but in my coffee, like praise coffee. Like you probably have those, you pro- in your house right now, there's a sign somewhere that says like, but first coffee or don't talk to me until I have coffee, right? Like you have one of those. It's just signs of praise, like words of praise, like drift up to coffee. Well, of course, coffee's awesome. Um, but don't let that be the end of it. Don't let the end, don't let the, the praise end at this little, not even that good tasting means of, of help, of strength that is coffee. Keep it on going to the Lord. Keep it going to the source of strength. Praise him. Let, let, put up a sign in your house that says, but first Jesus, right? You guys, I'm going to go to your houses. You're going to have to like, take all those signs down now. I'm sorry. That's not what I mean. Um, but, I, but I think you do get it, right? You got it. And so now we, we have one more, uh, one more aspect. So we, we've, done, um, we've done strength just now. We've done safety before that and help before that. Seeing God as the source of all these things. And, and I just, like, Oh, my, my heart for you is for you to go home and hope maybe, maybe you're already a saint, you know, but you could just go home and, and just ponder these things. Like, just think, like, God, there's all these other things that I, my heart runs to way before you. God, there's, uh, there's all this stuff that I think that I need and I'm not looking to you for any of it. Like, I, I, want, like to, 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 I want you to drill this in. Charles Spurgeon said that we should be like bees. Woo. 
Good job, Spurgeon. Bees. All right, so Charles Spurgeon, 1800s, pastor in London, the Prince of Preachers, born on June 19th, which is my birthday. Fun. All right, so he said that uh, he, he notices the bees, and it's like he's seeing these you know, complex flowers and stuff, and there's nectar in there somewhere, and the bees either find a way in or they make a way in. They get in there. And that's what I want for us with these truths. That we, like the bees, we would make, the, we'd make a way in. We'd find a way into these realities. Because guess what? He actually is the source of all things. And if you are in Christ, he is the source of all those things for you. All right. All right so, so before we get to our fourth point, um, we have a little reading journey to go on. So put on your backpacks and your little reading hat. And uh, we're going re- to read the, some more of the psalm and pick up some things on the way and then land on our fourth point before our brief application. So back in verse 2. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. So we have, uh, my salvation comes from God. God is this. God is this. God is this. And then the result, I shall not be greatly shaken. Oh, man, do I want that. I shall not be greatly shaken. Charles Spurgeon again, um, he said that, in, in reference to this section, he said that we're, we're kind of like a boat with an anchor down. So in the, in the storm, in, every, in, in the tide, really, like the boat is going up and down. In the storm, the boat's going like this, but it's anchored. I will not be greatly shaken. I'm shaking a little bit because I'm in the tide. I'm struggling. I'm doing my struggle thing. Like even David, think about David. Most of the Psalms start out with him just crying out to the Lord. He spends a lot of time crying out to the Lord, but he doesn't spend much time at all distrusting the Lord. Have you noticed? His crying out is always in a trustful sense. God, I, he, he is assuming that God is the one he needs, and so he's going to go and cry out to God. Right? So we can shake like that, but we'll not be greatly shaken. So then moving on, we have next we have the... Um, the enemies, which we already did. We already read that about these enemies. Um, and then, verses 5 and 6. So this is going to sound familiar. And it, it seems like David is writing about his enemies. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. They take delight in falsehood. He's writing about them. And it seems to, to unsettle his soul. At the top of the psalm, he's like, I'm, I'm waiting in silence. And now he's kind of get unsettled. And so he has to do something about that. It, go, it changes from this is how my soul is to I'm commanding my soul to be like this. Let's read. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. You see that? For God alone, O oh my soul, he's talking to his soul, wait in silence. From him, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. So just our little, little things to pick up here in our little reading journey. So we already, we already did the soul one. He's now preaching to himself. He has to preach to himself. And so do we if we're going to get these things in like bees, right? And then secondly, it, it was from, from him comes my salvation. If you take that, that, and go back up to verse 2. Don't, don't do that, Jenny. Um, it'll say from him is my salvation in the second line. Well, now it says, for my hope is from him. And what, what he has done is he's broadened it. It's like not only is the deliverance that I need uh, com- coming from God, but like if I'm going to have hope in my life at all. Like if there is hope for me at all, he's broadened it. He's like, all my hope is from him. All of it is from him. 
And then he continues, he only is my rock again and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly, no, I shall not be shaken at all. <laughs> He's like, forget you Spurgeon, like I'm not going to be shaken it for anything. He's up to the ante because he's preaching to himself. And he believes that if he's lining his heart up with God as his refuge, that he will not be shaken. And so that is the runway up to, the, I think, the climax of the psalm in terms of David's discourse. And that's verse 7, which goes like this. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. So notice before he said, from God comes my salvation. And then he said, God is my salvation. And now he says, on God rests my salvation. As if, as if all his salvation, all the help that can come to him is sitting there and it's just supported totally by God and nothing else. Again, it's the only psalm, right? On God rests my salvation. It's just up there. This is, like, what would our lives be like if, our heart, if that was our heart? On God rests my salvation. Anything that I could possibly need and want. Anything, any help that I need to get through this rests in God. And then he says, and now our fourth point, and my glory. And my glory. Finding refuge in God alone means looking to God alone as your source of approval. That word glory can mean a couple different things. It could be just the, the, the things that, I've, that I can glory in. Like, you're really awesome. I can glory in you. So you're my glory. It could be that. Uh, it could be his high position. Remember, he's, his, um, he, was, you know, he was king and stuff. Like, his high position. Like, God is actually my glory. That would be a good thing to say. Especially for you if you have a high position at work. To say, no, no, God is my glory, not this position, for sure. Um, but also, just your approval from others. And, I, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking about John 12, so let's read that. It says, Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. And him is Jesus, by the way. We're in the New Testament. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. Here's the big thing. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. They loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. You know, in Jesus Christ, we are so very accepted. With all of our wrongs, with all of our sins, in Jesus Christ, we are accepted by God. We are brought into the family. We are loved by God. David wants us to and does himself see God as the source of his glory, any acceptance that he needs. Amy just sang, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. It's not a pipe dream. It's something that that we can have as we burrow into it. Because, the, because again, the reality is there. I'm trying to get us to, to just to kind of have a sense in our heart of things that are actually true already. God is already the source of all your help. God is already the thing, your source of safety if you're in him. God is already your source of strength 
God is already your source of approval, and may our hearts line up with that and be at peace. And we live in a world in which glory is just quantified real easy for us. You post something on social media, and praise God for social media, sort of. Um, praise God. So social media happens. So you, you post something on social media, and you know how many people approve of it. And then you know who exactly approves of it. And then, not only that, you know how they approve of it. Is it a smiley face? Is it a thumbs up? Is it ha-ha? Is it emphasis? Like, that, that's the world we live in. Like, what would it be like if we had our acceptance, if we knew our acceptance to be that which comes from God? And God alone. And so, friends, what, what else do you need? If God alone is your help, your safety, your strength, your stability, your approval, your glory, what else do you need? Charles Spurgeon, again, didn't mean to quote him so much, but I'm going to quote him again. Okay, one last time. I don't promise because maybe another one will come out. But Charles Spurgeon, again, said, Happy is the man who feels that all he has all he wants and all he expects are to be found in his God. Again, happy is the man who feels that all he has, all he wants, and all he expects are to be found in his God. That's true. That's what I want for us as we look into the scripture. So now we're going to do four, four, it was four, three application points. They get briefer every second. Uh, three application points. And here, here's... So David has done all this stuff going through verse 1 through 7, and then he does me a favor, and he applies it to to Israel. It's awesome. So here's what he says in verse 8. He says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Cool. What's going to be my first application point? Trust in him at all times. Thanks, David. Thanks for that one. Trust in him at all times. This is where David's mind goes. This is where David's um, mouth goes as he, as he tells Israel what to do, as he instructs them in spiritual things. Trust in him at all times. Right now is an all time. The struggle you're going through right now, this morning, this afternoon, is part of all time. Trust in him. Trust in him. Because he, is he your help? Is he your safety? Is he... Your, um, your strength, like, is he your glory? Then, tr- then trust in him. Let your heart reflect the reality of the situation. Trust in him. And, and, and this gets, like, we could, use a, we could have a whole other sermon now on what about when I don't get the thing I pray for? What about when I pray for a good thing to the, the source of help and I don't get it? And again, I, w- I wish we had another 40 minutes and we could talk about that. But the, the, the small version of that is we trust that God is the source of all of our help. And he is the one who has planned to permit all of our circumstances, all of our trials. Everything that happens in this world is guided by his providence. We live in the time in which his, what he desires to happen and what he wants to happen ultimately are not the same. God doesn't want anyone in this room to cry, anyone in this room to be hurt at all. 
doesn't want anything bad to happen because and he loves you. But he's going to allow that and plan for that in this little window of time which we're on this planet for his glory and your good. I firmly believe that at the end you will look back on your life at everything that happened to you and say, God, you are good and you are, I can see you more, as more glorious now because of that. A few minutes ago, Marcy read, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now, if, if God is that massive, if God is that in charge, if God is that this much the source of everything, we can trust him. You're not going to find yourself outside of something that he knows about. What you can do is you can trust God for help or trust God for heaven. Trust God for help or trust God for heaven. And very soon, friends, we'll all be with him in glory and rejoice, even in our trials. Trust in him at all times. Um, and I'm out of time, but I'm going to go another minute, if that's all right with you guys. All right, and by a minute, I really mean four minutes, so <laughs> putting that out there on the table. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take six. All right. Um, I do briefly just want to tell you why. Why, another reason that God might be the thing that we're turning to, because we're, we're really talking about the what, like this is what it looks like to see, find him, find our refuge in him alone, in him alone, in him only. Um, well, here's a why. David gives us a why at the very end. He says in verse 11, once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. Do we, do we have it, Jenny? <clears throat> once have I spoken, twice have I heard this. That power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to man according to his work. So why God alone? Well, he's the source of everything. But more just practically for you to grab onto, power, power belongs to God. If you're, if you're looking for a refuge, just say David is running to a city, and he's, a town, and he's found them in the desert. Say, guys, please help me. My son Absalom's trying to kill me. And they said, we'd love to help, man, but we don't, we're not strong enough. God is always strong enough. And then it says that steadfast love belongs to God. David could be running to a city. He comes to them. He said, you guys have a huge army. Help me. And they say, we don't care about you, David. But no, God in God is steadfast love. Steadfast love belongs to God. And then he could run to another city and maybe they love him and maybe they have a big army. But then he says, then help me. And they're like, we're not really into like leveling justice. Like that's not really what we do. We're just here doing something else. God is into justice for he will render to man according to his work. That's the refuge that you want. The one who is powerful enough, the one who is loving enough, and the one who cares to balance the scales. And praise God for Jesus Christ because we would go down south and if that were the case uh, on our own, right? But God balances the scales by the blood of his son and forgives us and then brings justice to every situation on this planet, either in Christ or in hell. He is the refuge that you want. So the last two, very quickly, trust in him at all times, O people, and then pour out your hearts to him. For God is a refuge for us. For God is our refuge. Doing this will take a little bit of time. 
Doing this is not automatic. We want to be like a bee, right? Figuring this stuff out. The first step, the way to, to, to enter into some sort of a, a certainty about finding the Lord alone being our source of everything that we need is to pour out your heart to him. Friends, pour out your heart to him. Go to him in prayer and tell him everything. The trial, the struggle, the difficulty, tell him everything. Come before your God who is enough and find help there. And then thirdly, and this is how, this is our very last thing. This is not David's application, it's just mine, it's just a practical one. Thirdly, thank God daily for more than just food. When we thank God for our meals, we're seeing God as a source of, every, of our food, right? Well, God is the source of your ibuprofen. God is the source of everything in your life. From him and through him and to him are all things. Thank God daily for more than just your food. Because when you thank, you're, you're looking to the source. You're saying, thank you for this means you are the source. So thank him daily for more than just your food. Find refuge in God, friends. Find refuge in him. He is sure and steady. And he will not let you down. And hope you can trust him for help and you can trust him for heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Father, these are, these are, these are big truths. It is hard, Father, to land in a place where, where we trust you like this. And yet, Lord, you show us grace and you help us there. And so, Father, would you do that for us? Would you help us, Lord, to see you as the source of everything that we need? Father, as we think of all that we need, would we see you as the source? Would we see you as the source of our safety, the source of our strength, the source of our approval? And, oh, are we approved in Christ? My Lord, would you work in our hearts and, and, and work this about? Lord, would we, would we be people who are at peace because of our God? Would we be people who are courageous because of our God? And may we bring, with that courage, bring more into the family. So, Father, please help us this very day with this. May it not flutter away as we go home. Help us to find you in this way, God, we ask in Jesus' name.